Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the 5 and 4 edition of Believe in Vikings with Mac and Baker. I am Dustin Baker. We'll be joined by Brian McKinney, Ron Saw. And Katie, our guest from about five times in the past, is here. She's, I believe she's in Florida now, Florida now, excuse me. And South Spice is off tonight, off because she's at the Timberwolves game. Tickets fell into her lap, she said. So now uh, she's not going to be here this week, but still, we're going to talk about the five and four Vikings who currently own the seventh seed in the NFC's evolving playoff picture. Last year, or last week, when we talked to you, Josh Dobbs was just kind of an idea. Now he's a mini legend. We're going to talk about the implications about him for this team. I'm going to ask Bryant McKinney how rare, incredible, or lack thereof it is for a guy just four days learning the playbook to meander into the huddle and do the thing. And then we'll talk a little bit about week 10 and New Orleans Saints. First, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. The last of the major pro sports kicks off. This week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all of your NBA action. It actually got going, what, about a week and a half ago? With MLB postseason complete, NFL, college football, NHL, that's in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with desktop and mobile access for every sport at any time. Head to Bet Online today and get in on all the action. Don't forget to use the promo code B L E A V. Believe B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Folks, that's free money. No other way to put it. Bet Online, where the game starts. It's Believe in Vikings Wednesday night. By the time folks listen to it, perhaps Thursday or so. Well, the Vikings own the seventh seed in the postseason right now. They're at a half game out of the fifth seed, 1.5 games behind the Lions in the NFC North. And we are going to get into all of this, uh, primarily to start with Josh Dobbs, who became a folkloric uh, legend. If if he never played a game for the Vikings, he, he would probably still have his legacy cemented because of the circumstances surrounding his arrival. So I, I got to start with you, Bryant. I need your perspective on this. This man was traded to the Vikings on Halloween. He had four days to study the playbook, didn't expect to play because the Vikings had a QB1 named Jaron Hall. And then Josh Dobbs was thrust into action almost immediately in the game. He had his head coach walking him through plays until the microphone would shut off in his helmet at 15 seconds. So I want to know from you, can you imagine a quarterback having to be told plays on the fly by his coach for days with the team? Was this a narrative overblown by fans in the the media or is this pretty wild? No, I mean, that was probably a lot on his plate because you have to, you know, know the plays and then kind of get a feel and a rhythm for the wide receiver, especially in the throwing the ball and knowing where they are, the routes and everything. So, so I mean, I feel like for him, it's a lot. You know, for an offensive lineman, especially me, it's only but so many people you can block. Either they, Most likely it's going to be the end. <laughs> um, but for him, it's like you have to, you know, scan the whole field and then – that's why I always say, like, training camps and mini camps are for the rhythm with the quarterback and things like that. But he was able to kind of jump right in and and just get in sync. 
Now, how much um, along with that, we saw the video of him with the offensive line on the sidelines, and none of them had ever heard his cadence before. Bradbury, our center, had never you know, had a snap taken by him before. So as an offensive lineman, you know, when you go off of, so especially on the road, when you're trying to, I don't know if you're trying to peek in or what the advantage is, but how much of that cadence is a, is a real thing as far um, as on the understanding road, most what likely, it is? Most likely on the road, they were on like a solid count um, just because it was a close game. So that would probably affect them more when they get at home. But they have all week now to hear the cadence and, and give use of his rhythm. But by them being on the road, I think it was a high chance because um, it was a close game the whole time. It was a high chance that it was a, a silent count. So it was really about him just being prepared for the the, the center's rhythm, the, you know, the head bobs and things like that. Katie, we were chilling on this show, let's see, about five weeks ago tonight or so with the Vikings at one and four. Justin Jefferson was headed out for four games. It appears it's going to be five. Uh, and then not long after Kirk Cousins ruptured his Achilles, gone for the season. But lo and behold, they they started winning after all that shit happens. And now we find ourselves looking at the injury report, saying no Justin Jefferson, no Kirk Cousins, no KJ Osborne, maybe no Darisaw. Yeah, we're probably still going to beat the Saints. It's unbelievable how we, we look at this now after four wins. I want to know, I'm guessing you were somewhat downtrodden at 0-3 or 1-4. and Has this last month and Josh Dobbs completely rejuvenated how you feel about this season? It's been it's been so up and down. Like the start of the season was it was just melancholy. It's like, oh, it's gonna be one of those seasons again <laughs> where we're just gonna have to trudge through and hope for good draft. I wasn't overly excited after the Panthers win, but I think probably everybody and even the Bears, right? It's like if we can't beat the Bears, we should, you know. But when we beat the 49ers, it really felt like everything was starting to turn around. Mm-hmm just to have our heart broken the next week with Kirk Cousins going down. So it's just like this team knows how to like, I think the highs are so high because it makes sure you have those really low moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after this last week, it it feels reminiscent of, you know, the Case Keenum season where it's like yeah. everything goes wrong, but we still find a way. And that season was so fun. So I'm even more, I don't know if I'm more excited, but yeah, totally rejuvenated with it and excited to keep going on it. When they were one and four and we kind of talked out loud about how this could be a good football team if they stop with the damn fumbles and turning the ball over in the first drive or first quarter. Uh, I spoke to a lot of my colleagues and it's like it's going to be one of those seasons like 2020 where we're just chasing 500. And then if they do that, we'll see if they can maybe get frisky and go eight and nine. And now I agree with you. It feels like more of a 2017 wave length. And I just didn't know that that was possible. And it's a lesson learned. Um, Bryant talks about this a lot on the show. Remember how rotten we felt about that victory over the Bears because it was just a survive and advance. Brian often says, like, it really doesn't matter how you do it. As long as you get the win, you know, that can spark a win streak. And I'll be damned if that didn't happen. So let it be known. If you have to go to Soldier Field by any means necessary, when these Vikings go there, just win. Who cares what happens? Because that is what started this thing. And here we are, you know, looking at a possible five-game win streak for these against the Saints. Ron, with you, sir. Um, you're usually more optimistic than most. And I don't think that you had completely given up on the season uh, after that Chiefs game. But are you buying into the man? This this could be one of those special twenty seventeen seasons, or is that is that like a Homer thing? I mean, I think obviously with that season that we had, like we all have that feeling, like, and all Vikings fans know that there's 
at some point the rug will get pulled out from under us like just because that's all we know so we're just hope we but we're happy to ride this ride so for me um even last week when i was talking about that it, the loss of Kirk cousins is massive because no matter there's no quarterback that you're going to get to replace him that's at that level now what you can do is find other aspects that are working our defense has been playing lights out you know except for that last drive against atlanta um pretty much everything except our run game has been like pretty damn flawless now again i still think that um o'connell has some deficiencies when it comes to play calling i mean every single first down we ran for negative yards and we and then oh we can't get it there. Well, why not do it again on second down? So every single time Josh Dobbs came in, it was a third and long, which is just ridiculous. Do your guys some favors, which they did in the second half. I understand the playbook was very, probably very limited, but the running game was not working. If you're going to do that, just spike the ball into the ground every goddamn first down. Like that's exactly what we were doing. And it's frustrating. So second half, they got some positive yards on first down. Like, you know, even if it's second and eight, now you make it third and six, made it a hell of a lot easier because, you know, have a guy that has the athleticism clearly has the wherewithal to get there. So we're doing it in different ways. And in a lot of ways, it does feel similar to Case Keenum and kind of, like riding that high, I'm not going to go that far because yeah, I feel like there was a lot more talent on that team, um, mainly on the defensive side. Uh, but if you remember how the season kind of went, even into the Saints game and then Philly, defense kind of struggled there. The offense was carrying them, whereas we're getting healthy on offense. You know, Darisaw is bound to come back. Best receiver in football is bound to come back. Uh, you know, yes, we keep losing people, but uh, – <laughs> You know, why can't we be excited about this? Even, you know, just being five and four from where we were at the start of the season, just giving games away, um, like literally. Uh, So I, you know, all Vikings fans should hop on board. So, you know, at least let's ride it together. And one thing, a disclaimer I will give, no matter how exciting the season gets, is the uh, 2017 season. That defense was significantly better. Uh, we can get we can get happy about how this Flores defense is progressing, and maybe it'll get to that Zimmerish standard. But that 2017 defense was downright deadly, and right now we're just starting to sniff that uh, with this personnel and this coach. And it just feels a lot better because it's no longer shitty like it was last year for most of the Ed Donatel games in the fourth quarter. They weirdly get good but uh bryant so with justin jefferson he's he's out four games probably gonna miss one more kirk cousins went out darisaw didn't play last week marcus davenport starting edge rusher has been gone for three games is it more of a testament to the depth on the roster um or the coaching staff to make the enterprise still win games without some of these players or is it just both i'm gonna say a combination of both and I'm going to say, remember when I always tell you that guys have to step up and kind of seize the opportunity when they're given? Yeah, I feel like a lot of guys are doing that because I say it's very important, if, especially if you're a backup player and somebody goes down and you step right in and able to kind of fill that void and make the team seem like it's not missing. Um, that person is bad as, you know, we all would have thought. Um, that's a testament to them. But then that also gives them game film because maybe later on somebody <laughs> may try to, you know, get them next year or something, you know? Yeah, I'll tell you guys, it's downright weird how we went from the first five games of the season. Anytime there was a single in- injury, we'd be like, oh, God, Marcus Davenport's out again. How are we going to do this? The other guys suck. And now we're at a point where it's we don't even remember that he's on the team because he's been on IR. And 
it's like if Darisaw doesn't play, it's like cool. We got David Quaisenberry. He he was he was wonderful against the Falcons. So it's so strange how in a month's time, uh, we've we've viewed this through a lens of well, they're actually a pretty deep roster that's performing. The coaching staff is wonderful. And so always have patience uh, when you're watching professional sports because things can turn around. I'll be damned if they haven't. Now, next, Katie, here's what I want to ask you. Jaron Hall got his first career start. Uh, Bittersweet. Uh, His first drive, team didn't do much. Second drive, he looked like a baller. uh, Got down close uh, in a red zone situation, then was concussed. And I don't know when he will be back. I think it would probably take a bad Dobbs game in the next two or three weeks for them to shift back to Jaron Hall. But my question is, do you think that by some measure, by an injury or bench benching Dobbs, do you think we see Hall again this season? Um, I think it would have to be a a couple really terrible games from Dobbs and have him be benched um, or, or an injury. Um, Otherwise I think we stick with what works. And again, you know, not to keep drawing, uh, comparisons to the Case Keenum season, but remember where that was like, who's going to start next week once they say our quarterbacks <laughs> yeah. are getting healthy again? We did that the whole um, season. Yeah, the whole Zimmer, season. Zimmer would never come in. Yeah, <laughs> he wouldn't name it. He's like, he plays if he plays. Um, but I really do. If it if it isn't broke, then don't fix it. And if Dobbs can continue to deliver, then I think that's what we we continue with, which is almost if there, if there's the opposite of a silver lining. So if there is a downside to this is I was excited to see what we were going to get out of hall. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to complain as long as we're winning. So Ron, I'm going to venture to guess that you were impressed with the, the one Jaron hall drive. There's some folks that are adamant that no matter what, when he's out of the protocol, he should he should be the starter uh, because this is a golden opportunity to see what he's got in a cousins list season. What do you think? Do you think we see Hall again, or should we see Hall again? Well, I think Katie nailed it. It's you see you'll see him again if we can get hopefully a blowout win. Um, but if <laughs> if it's a, if it's a blowout or something a blowout loss, I think he'll um, he'll get some time as well. Um, but I mean, realistically. I see all the games being close. Um, I think that's why you bring in Josh Dobbs is you're not punting on this season. You're keeping things interesting. Um, and, you know, again, with O'Connell, the one thing we know for certain, that locker room rallies behind him, every single player, whether it's, you know, Questenberry being ready, um, you know, and putting being playing like replacing an elite left tackle and playing extremely well or you know like all the guys in the locker room that continue to get their numbers called and produce when it matters and culminating with Josh Dobbs coming in and <laughs> just everyone rallying behind him um just making plays you know again in the Keenum like fashion just out of nowhere surprise but um when you bring him in you expect to compete when the defense is playing at the level they're playing at you expect to be in game. So um, now it's unfortunate what happened to Hall because I think he was showing some flashes, but uh, man, it, you can't go away from Dobbs just um, just because Hall gets healthy. Um, I don't I, nothing against him, but I don't think he has that equity. Um, you know, it's not a Teddy Bridgewater situation. It's not uh, you know someone that's established here. You, you're going to roll with the hot hand, and then it's if things go south. Then, then you look to see uh, what you have in in Hall. And you would think, with the man, a rocket scientist, with no exaggeration, there, 
who interned at NASA, you would think if he looked that good with four days of patchwork preparation, not knowing the names of his teammates, you would think in the next coming weeks as he learns more and more that he should get even better. I don't I don't think it would be just this weird outlier that the unprepared guy did well on the road. Uh, so I'm excited. I think it's a good mix. You have the ultimate <laughs> studier in Kirk Cousins, who said today that he'll he'll help Josh no matter what he wants. So if you have a guy who knows the playbook inside and out, you have a quarterback coach and a whisperer, and then you have a rocket scientist quarterback, you should have all of these elements that coagulate to say, you know, this Dobbs guy is here to succeed. Now, the only thing he has to suppress is his fumbles. Uh, That, I believe, is his cardinal sin, and I believe that is why he's cast away by so many, like, you know, average teams in the last two years. The the Browns said no thanks. The Lions, I guess, are better than average. They said no thanks. Cardinals said we don't need you anymore. We're go- I guess we're going to Kyler. Uh, so a lot of I teams- think the Cardinals was more so he was doing too well. <laughs> like, he kept them in games. Like, they, they clearly don't want to win at all. So yeah. I think that. But not to mention with, with Dobbs, he did all that without the two best players on offense. Like mm-hmm. the guy protecting his blind side and Bryant, you know how valuable those are. And then mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson. So you instantly now add one of the top or one of the top left tackles and arguably the best receiver in football. It's only going to get better from there. Cause now those guys he was throwing to whose names he didn't know, you know, the Tristan Jackson. And um, you know, I know there's a lot of uh, Nikhil Harry that you saw uh, the name, at least I don't know on the field, but now you're replacing that with Jefferson and everyone else shifts down one. Obviously mm-hmm. KJ Osborne looks like he's okay. Um, so now he's back to the, you know, second, third guy rather than first second. So, I, I mean, everything's looking better from that, from that standpoint. Bryant, it seems that Dobbs won the hearts of the locker room, his teammates, because of, you know, that heroic performance, uh, unpreparedness be damned. Would you, if you were in a locker room like that, where this guy waltzed onto the field, hardly knowing the playbook, led them to a game-winning drive on the road, would it be really weird if they said, we don't need you next week, we're going back to our rookie quarterback? Or would would, would players just be like, oh, huh, all right, well, whatever. It would be weird because okay. I'm players feel like, he came in with only four days and he was able to um, lead us to a victory where a lot of people were probably unsure of how things were going to go, um, you know, without um, the starting quarterback. So it would probably seem weird that he just had a, you know, a big win on the road. And then all of a sudden we're going to go back to the quarterback. <laughs> That's what I, I've been trying to wrap my head around the the camp or the faction of fans that says, well, when Hall's back, we need to go back to him. Like, I get it. Like if you're playing a video game and you got to see if the guy's going to progress in a lost season mm-hmm. without Kirk Cousins, but it, it, I almost feel like there'd be a borderline mutiny if if they just said, "Well, we're not going to use the guy who won the game," like with four days of preparation. Like you know, it'd almost be a slap in the face uh, to him personally. And then the locker. I almost feel like he earned it though. I feel like yeah. he earned the position, you know. So it's like now at this point, it's just his to lose. Yeah. Even if uh, pounding home that 2017 talker again, even if they would have benched Case Keenum when the Vikings were like nine and two and uh, like arbitrarily went back to Bridgewater, I think we love Teddy enough that we'd be like, okay, let's see how this goes. But there wouldn't be a universal like, we'd be like, what are you doing? You're you're screwing up a good thing. Um, So with the the Saints are on tap, the the Vikings uh, haven't played a meaningful home game without Kirk Cousins. Since the Minneapolis Miracle game, and that was Case Keenum, and it was against these Saints, and that's who's coming to town in a mere, what, three, three and a half days or so. So, Katie, I'm going to ask you, the Vikings, they're two and a half point underdogs. How do you feel about this weekend? The the 
Injury report is thick. We think Jefferson probably won't play. What are you thinking about this game heading into it? Nervous for it, like I am with every Viking <laughs> game. Um, I still think the Saints owe us some karma, so uh, we. I'm hoping we will pull out an, an awesome win. Um, the Saints aren't terrible this year, but we keep finding ways to win. And so, you know, and I think that that's a testament to our coaching with being able to adjust and keep calm. So I feel optimistic, but not like we got this in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we, before we start to do that, got this in the bag stuff. I think we need Jefferson back. We need two, maybe two more games of Dobbs playing like a baller and, you know, moving the sticks before we'd have that, that feeling from uh, five years ago when it's like, yeah, we're probably going to win this thing right now. It feels like uh, just kind of riding the wave to hope, hope it's for real. Uh, Ron, your thoughts. Do you think the Vikings have a win afoot or are they going to take a temporary step back to five and five? I mean, not to sound like a homer, but this would have been the case either way. I think I don't think the Saints are any good. Um, they've been feasting in a bad division and oh, man. and beating. Yeah, like their biggest win was against New England back when New England went how many quarters without scoring a touchdown. <laughs> and um, like I, they're just not a good football team, um, in my opinion. I think um, they have some pieces on offense, but the, like. I don't think they're well coached, to be honest. Like, I think Dennis Allen, he's just one of those guys where how does he keep getting these jobs? Like, it's like Josh McDaniels, like who just was fired last week. It's why are they recycling guys who have never done anything? Like, it's not like you're recycling a Mike Zimmer who had some success or something like that. It's these guys who really have had a shitty track record. Like, are they doing it because that's how Belichick, um, you know, he sucked in Cleveland and, oh, they found found him Tom Brady and he did just fine. But <laughs> anyway, like D- Derek Carr is and always has been, you know, not just a tier, but two tiers below Kirk Cousins. Um he and now he seems to have that Aaron Rodgers a-hole in him where his receivers are um getting yelled at when he's throwing the ball eight yards out of the sidelines. Like I don't understand um, you know, his what he's doing and then the usage of Taysom Hill like sure it looks great in fantasy football world but the dude is not a good football player like he's he <laughs> I just picked he, him up so <laughs> no yeah fa- a great fantasy world yeah he could do it all but he, like he, he had a wide open Jawan Johnson which great he found him but anytime he ever tries to push the ball downfield like it's not any good um like he's a weapon for sure but they use him so much because they're paying him so much damn money. But uh, um, anytime he's in the backfield, like sure, let him like make him throw it and you'll be fine. So um, they don't worry me much because again, that schedule, like they're not, they, it took what the bears had five turnovers or something on Sunday and they could only beat him by a touchdown. And that was with Tyler uh, Bajan at quarterback. So <laughs> again, it it's one of those where I'm saying this now and we get our asses kicked to us. Cause that, that's just the way it'll happen. But I'm looking at it. Vikings are plus plus one twenty five right now. And it's taking every bit of me to not just hammer that line because one, I think it's going to move once, uh, Darius announced that he's coming back or even if he doesn't, but uh, um, I, I think the big upper hand we have is again, Dobbs with a week of practice, but also um, an underrated aspect. We're, we're playing the same team we played last week. Um, the defensive coordinator for Atlanta was on the new Orleans staff last year. So they run the same exact defense and, you know, yes, Marcus Lattimore is a stud and they have some, you know, good players in their secondary, but 
and Cam Jordan always seems a feast against us because, you know, his dad, you know, all those years he played for the Vikings. But uh, <laughs> I just uh, – I, I don't see it because I, I see it uh, a big gap in talent um, on both sides of the ball for us, and that's with, uh, you know, our, you know, fourth quarterback essentially from when the year started. Katie, I wouldn't be anxiety about Taysom Hill on your fantasy team because he usually does damage against the Vikings. If you'll recall in that 2019 playoff game, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, Magnum Opus, that was the only offense they could get going was just gadget garbage shit with that guy. That was the only thing they could do and it worked for them. So I expect him to do that again um, just because he's not a Viking killer. He's just an irritant. Uh, So yeah, don't have any reservations about putting him in the lineup. Ryan, how do you feel about Vikings Saints in Minneapolis Sunday? You feeling optimistic? I am. Um, you know, like Ron said, I don't feel like they're the same team as they've been in the past. Um, Vikings are back home, new quarterback, just kind of like almost a fresh start, you know. Um, so I'm looking for them to be a little successful this weekend. You picking them to win? Yeah. Yeah. By what, three, four, five, six, or more than that? Well, I just see them winning by like, not touchdown. We'll take it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I am paranoid. Well, I know that the Broncos are going to get beat this weekend against the Bills because the Bills are in desperation mode, and the Broncos aren't that good, but they're also not devoid of talent. And Vikings road games historically against AFC West teams don't go peachy. So I'm a little nervous about dropping the game next week, the Broncos, no matter what happens this week. So it'd be nice to have a little (laughs) six and four buffer. All right. The final question I have for Katie and Ron is kind of a weird one because of all of the hopscotch that we've played with the injury report this season. And then the roller coaster in general from one and four to five and four, Katie, who is the Vikings mid season MVP? Uh, I'm going to go with Daniel Hunter. Um, for, I don't know if he's still leading in sacks. I didn't check that stat after this last game and I don't know if he had any, but just, I mean, I know there was questions last season, um, because his numbers weren't as big, but he has just been amazing and our whole defense has really, but, Mm -hmm. um, that's who I'm going with because I think he's been just impactful, uh, throughout the first half here. We'll see if Ron makes it a trifecta because that would be mine. Um, if. Cousins was still in and led them to the win over the Falcons without Jefferson four games. It would probably be Cousins award. But when he left, they were only four and four. So I'm looking for something a little bit more consistent for if there was a real MVP for the Vikings midseason. Daniel Hunter is the the consistency guy. Otherwise, if you want to give it to a coach, Brian Flores could certainly have his name in the hat. Ron, is it Hunter for you or somebody else? For me, it's not Hunter because no. you expect that out of him. Um, like he's doing what he has shown his entire career. So for me, I have it take one A, one B, whatever it is. But it's Cam Bynum and Josh Metellus for me. Like you haven't seen them make him. At least I haven't. I haven't seen them make a mistake except for maybe Bynum on the third and seventeen against uh, um, Mahomes, where he just mm-hmm. jumped a little early. But those two guys are always around the ball. They're always making plays. And like I said, they're not getting they're not on the bad end of plays. Um, and most importantly, they're whenever there's a takeaway, they're the guys at the bottom <laughs> of the pile or they're the ones who are coming up with it. So um, again, it's more of the, you don't expect them. Um, like, and you know, chart, chalk that up to Brian Flores and being able to coach them up. But these are guys that on the back end um, and Mattel especially being able to play in that hybrid role um, as, you know, a, a 
passing down linebacker. Um, I just think what those two guys have done, um, again, has been, you can't really speak to it because, uh, like it's again, unexpected. Metellus in a way, um, not the hard hitting side, but he reminds me of the way Robert Griffith played, like Mm -hmm. just always around the football, like always like not making mistakes, not giving up big plays. Um, but you know, they're, they're obviously doing their job, which is keeping Lewis seen, um, inactive. So which again, as much as a lot of people want to pile on scene, I think it's because of the play of those two guys, um, that has kept seen, you know, on the sidelines. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And Bynum's been getting like, I've been so impressed with his intelligence as he's playing where you can tell he's watching what Harrison Smith is doing too, where he's learning how to bait quarterbacks into throws mm-hmm. and all of that. And it's so impressive to see. Um, I'm with you on that. I like both of those two. He's so instinctual, which is like something that again, in his first couple of years when he was rotational player, like something clicked in him, even going into last year where he was all of a sudden like always around the ball and he doesn't miss tackles. um, And he's just that very heady football player, which is what we've needed alongside Harrison Smith for years. You no longer have the misfire missile, um, you know, just taking people's heads off, including his own players. Um, You have a guy that's playing smart, heady football. And then that, uh, that Metellus fumble recovery, I've, I went back and watched the highlights again this week and I still can't believe he came up with that. (laughs) No, I mean, even in the moment after Evan stripped it, uh, I think I was watching with my uncle. I said, oh, here comes one of those fumbles that we're not going to get because we don't get them this season. And then the Vikings defenders started pointing, saying, oh, that's ours. And I was like, oh, they have to be just doing that for vibes because there's no way. There's no way he could get in there. And, yeah, it must be one of those scrums that, uh, you know, just forbidden to even talk about uh, because who knows how he came up with that. Uh, Bryant, the last thing, I think we touched on this last week, but I want to revisit your perspective and then we'll sign off for the night. Uh, Justin Jefferson went down in week five, and then the Vikings have rattled off four wins. Uh, in 2005, you guys lost Dante Culpepper, and then you rattled off. You went on a win streak right after he went down. It was the love boat season. Tell us again to revisit that season from 18 years ago. Do you remember how on earth the win started happening when the QB1 went down? We had a boat party, and... <laughs> <laughs> we're getting like a lot of scrutiny behind it, so we had no choice but to like stick together and focus on winning games. You're saying we can call up Alan Almas now to get the get the guys out <laughs> there. Doing fine right now. We were like one and whatever, like, we were like two, maybe two games or maybe one game at the time. Mm-hmm. And it brought camaraderie, and it just was us against the world at that point. So that's kind of like the part. I do gotta ask. We know what to do if so, our streak ends. The, 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 the week after, because it was the game that Dante got hurt in against Carolina. Right, Steve Smith. Yeah, or yeah, but it was the first game that we played after after okay. that incident. And Steve Smith scored a touchdown, and he's rowing in the end zone. Like, was that ever like, was that a shot at the team? Like, I don't know if you remember that. There was all, a lot of shots at the team. There were people like having like <laughs> cardboard signs in the in the stands. Oh, and yeah, all the, the fans stuff. and stuff. Yeah, it was a lot. So at that point, it definitely was like us against everybody else because every time we traveled somewhere, there were signs or something referencing <laughs> that. So it's and you was like, okay, let's go out here and try, like, let's go out here and win at this point, like, to shut these people up. The best part of this story now about Love Boat being the inspiration was for about three years, I've always thought it was a joke when he says that, but I don't think he's kidding at all. <laughs> it really brought the team together. I mean, because we were, I mean, you look at it, it did. Like, mm-hmm. 
it was to form camaraderie at the end of the day, but it rarely worked because now it was like a, a light on all of us. And we're like, oh my gosh. And it's like nobody else to turn to but each other. So now you are now forced to have each other's back and like just watch them in games. <laughs> well, the, the probably didn't want to be like, we didn't want to resort to that, but I mean, it kind of did serve a purpose. Yeah, it was no October. <clears throat> excuse me, October thirtieth, two thousand five. Dante Culpepper went down with the torn ACL and MCL. The love boat had come to light a couple weeks on the on the or wait, was it during the bye week that it happened? And then it was all yeah. coming to light about that time. And then, uh, yes, on December eleventh, after a two and five start, McKinney's Vikings were eight and five. So you know we can we can say like you know I don't know if that love boat really did the trick, but the proof is there. Uh, there's no other way around it. Uh, the win streak did occur. Well, Katie, thank you for joining us, filling in, subbing for Sally, who's at the Timberwolves right now. Uh, as always, you let us know when you'd like to join because we've always got room for you. You have any closing arguments, Katie? No, just thanks for having me, and I hope the rest of the season is as entertaining as the last few weeks have been. <laughs> oh, I hear you. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll talk to you one week uh, heading into Bronco week, okay? Okay. All right. Shout out to Sally at the Wolves game because the Wolves are just kicking some ass right now. So, <laughs> amen. <laughs> All right, guys. Later. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.